chapter 24, verse 16, I herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God. But it doesn't stop there, does he? Toward men. People say, well, all I need to obey is God. All I have to listen to is God. No, you're responsible to me too. I'm talking about me as a fellow man. I'm responsible to you. You're responsible to me. No man lives alone. No man dies alone. We don't live on an island. We are responsible to each other. I mean, if nothing proves that that verse right there, we're to be void of offense toward God first and toward men. Now, that is the Ten Commandments. That's the Ten Commandments. The first four are our vertical responsibility. The last six, horizontal responsibility. So you can't say that it doesn't make a difference how you treat your neighbor. You can't say you love God and treat your neighbor wrong. It just don't work that way. The second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor yourself. We just went over that. And I'm going to have to say, God gives us some real challenges there, amen. You don't live beside me. When I had 50 roosters, I mean, they started at 3 a.m., brother, and went wild all the way to, you know, I had people stay with me. Jerry Savinsky stayed with me. And Jerry was old hillbilly. Jerry is an old hillbilly. Jerry Savinsky's an old West Virginia hillbilly. I mean, he's up there, in the, you know, 28 miles past where the road stops. That's the way they describe it. And um, he, he came to my house with his wife, and, and he, just, he just said, that is, you know, Jerry, if you know him, oh, Brother Bill, Brother Bill, that's just music to my ears. Oh, I feel like I'm a child again back home. I said, you had 50 roosters? No, but, man, there's plenty of them. I mean, they get you at 3 a.m. You didn't like the full moon because they went all night long. They thought the sun, I mean, I'm not saying roosters got a lot of brains. What in the world is a conscience? Let me spend 30 minutes. If you give me 30 minutes, I'll be able to do this. Definition of a conscience is our moral perception, our soul consciousness. Our moral perception, our soul consciousness. Have you ever talked to yourself? Have you ever answered yourself? Have you ever heard a still small voice speak to you just before doing something bad? Uh, who are you talking to? 
oftentimes your God-given conscience is who you're talking to. Each of us possesses a thing called the conscience. And no two people have exactly the same conscience. This is the problem with this. The conscience can be taught, influenced by environment, by teaching in your youth. My mom and dad made an effort to develop my conscience. Did yours? My mom had about 100 one-liners where she just used to develop my conscience. Um, some of it has to do with your personality makeup. There's different kinds of personalities. You know, you have your perfectionist personality and you have your other end of the scale personality and anybody in between, a few in between there. Uh, but the Bible has a lot to say about our conscience. Uh, the word, the conscience is mentioned over 69 times in the Bible. I mean, that's just a lot of, that's a lot, good or bad, it's just a whole lot of talk about a conscience. Uh, so let me go over, I'm going to divide the, the uh, places in Scripture that I looked at, I'm going to divide them into two groups. The negative, we'll start with negative first and we'll end with the positive. The negative passages about the conscience. First, your conscience as it starts out influenced by its environment, it's, it's not perfect. The conscience is never claimed to be perfect. It is a moral rule of thumb. It is a moral guide. It is a rule of thumb. It's pretty good in its estimations at the beginning of what's right and wrong. Pretty good. Uh, it'll give you some heads up. That where you're going, you'll, some people call it cautions. It'll begin to give you some cautions, like that, that, that. It's like that yellow light that you guys have been running. That gives you a caution that the thing's getting ready to turn red. I think the yellow is just to warn you to get through in a hurry because it's going to be red pretty soon. That's not what the officer told me it was for, but. But it gives you warning about it, but it's not perfect, and it can be changed. Secondly, uh, if I may say, your conscience, and this is the negative side of it, your conscience can be defiled. Titus 1, 15, 16 says, under the pure, all things are pure, but under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and their conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God. They're not irreligious people. They're very religious. But in works, they deny him being abominable, disobedient, every good work reprobate. That's what we're seeing today. We have a large group of people in our country that are religious, but they're abominable, disobedient, and every good work, biblically good work, they're reprobate. <clears throat> we have the uh, homosexual church. There's numbers, many, many, many of them are religious. Homosexuals like to be religious because they would like to think that they're going to go to heaven, but they're not. They're not. The, the word defile conscience means to pollute, to make it foul. If, if Brother Nick was kick, cooking one of them ribeyes and he flipped that baby and it went down on the ground, I don't care how much he washed that. Personally, I'd rather have you have it than me. 
I mean, you know, it probably is okay, but, uh, let's, you know, the 10-second rule on a steak, I ain't going for that. It's defiled. It's polluted. Your conscience, through constant training into the rejection of what is right and good, can be polluted. It can be defiled. It can be fouled. And then what happens is the conscience will just be quiet. People will do wicked things, horrible things, and it just will be silent. Thirdly, the conscience, according to my study in the, the book, uh, the conscience can be seared. You can have a seared conscience. 1 Timothy 4.2 says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, many of you have sealed things with iron. You can seal things. You can sear them or seal them with a hot iron. Um, it means to cauterize, the word is, cauterize, to brand, to render insensitive. Again, the constant re-education of your conscience to something evil can be done. And that evil will no longer seem evil. It will seem fine. Maybe the most outstanding illustration of a seared conscience is Theodore Bundy. Theodore Bundy should put chills down every woman's spine, that name. He was a whimsical, likable, funny, intelligent individual that people wanted to be around. But sometime, somewhere, it's, he, his, he would snap and become one of the most diabolical mass murderers ever to exist in the United States of America. I think of a searing of your conscience. As, uh, one time I read an article of a famous porn star. Now, they're not famous to me, but they're considered to be so-called famous porn star, a pretty girl. And it gave the article of she would after she would film, she would go to her home and get in the shower, she said, and she would weep, weep for a half hour in the shower. What was going on? Her conscience was being re-educated. She had a chance to respond to her conscience, but she didn't. Eventually, she said she'd have after a filming, she had no problem at all. She didn't need to go in the shower. She didn't need to feel like she needed to get clean. That was what that was about. And she just, it was, she was hard. You can hard, beware. Disobey your conscience over and over and over again, and the conscience will quit you. And you'll become hardened. Don't do it. You become eventually reprobate. The definition of reprobate means to be rejected, cast away, or become useless. Fourthly, we can have a weak conscience. I think as Christians this applies. I'm talking about our conscience as Christians can be weak. 1 Corinthians 8, 12 to 13 says, But when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make thy brother to offend, I will, know, I will, not, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Now, we don't have this issue and that's why it's a little hard for us here in the book of Corinthians to relate to this. But 
they lived in such a heathen environment that they would take, people would take their best ribeyes and their best cuts of meat and they would give them to the temple. The temple then would take them to the marketplace. These, now these meats were dedicated to demons, dedicated to idols. And they would then, the, to, to generate money from those offerings, the temple would go, now we're talking, not talking about God's temple now, right? We're talking about the temple of Diana, of the Ephesians, and these other gods. They would take those to the marketplace and sell them for half price. So you could buy ribeye for half what everybody else was buying. And not only would you be able to buy it, it was twice as good to me. It was the best of the best that they offered, that these people offered to their gods. The priests would come and sell it for So Christians that were hurting for money or whatever, when uh, there were the, the big controversy in the church was some of the Christians in the church would go down to the marketplace and buy that meat and go, man, you know, Brother Perez would probably do Brother, what a deal. I get half price on this meat, man. You go around saying, man, I saved a bunch of dough on this. Uh, somebody else in our church would go and say, Brother Perez, I can't even believe you buy that meat. That meat is dedicated to demons, to, 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 to idols. And we were all saved out of that. And so there would be this controversy between the church, between these people and the church. And it was bad. It was divisive. It was bad. And what Paul did in his Holy, Holy Spirit solution to this in the chapter 1 Corinthians 8, he says, look, you people that it doesn't bother have a strong conscience on that area. You don't seem that bothers you. And the truth is that teaching the Bible, what goes into a man's mouth doesn't really defile the man. That meat didn't hurt you a bit, no matter who it was dedicated to. But certain people thought it did, and it bothered, and it was, it was a compromise. So the people thought it was a compromise. Paul says those people have a weak conscience. So the people that could buy it and eat it, they had a strong conscience. The people that were, would feel it was a sin against God to buy it, they were, had a weak conscience. Now, what do you got? You got two groups of people. You got a strong conscience group of people. You got a weak conscience group of people. What are you supposed to do? The strong run over the weak just because they're right or because they feel they're right? He said, no, that's not love. Love your brothers yourself. He said, I will eat no flesh while the world's standing. Now, for some of you, that's cuss words. I mean, that's, that's big stuff. I'm, I'm going to be a vegetarian. If, 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 if I, in eating meat, will offend my brother, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll end up being a vegetarian lest I make my brother to offend. So the definition of a weak or feeble, the word weak conscience means feeble, unable to function at 100%, but it's not useless, but it's not strong either. It is easily hurt. And fifthly, I found in the study of the, the negative side of conscience in the Bible that we can have, a person, a people can have an evil conscience. Hebrews 10.22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. So a person's conscience, unsaved person specifically, can, can get worse and worse and worse to the place where they literally have a conscience that is convinced that good is bad and bad is good. Well, we've got, if we don't have that today, we never have had it. I mean, there's a group of people out there that have justified that you can, you can birth a baby and terminate it. If you don't happen to like the hair color, don't happen to like the way it looks, or you can, you can terminate it in the, in, the, uh, in the ninth month, or the eighth month, or the seventh month. I look at uh, uh, 
Heather. Is Heather here tonight? Heather? Over there. Here she's pregnant about, what, five, six months, brother? He don't have a clue. He is. The truth is he don't know. But, but he don't, I really don't care either. So, but nevertheless, whatever month she's in, she can go down and have an abortion. That baby's fully, fully formed and fully functional and fully grown. And now, now, I don't know about you, but that'd wake me up at night. Why would it wake me up at night? Would be number one, I have the Holy Spirit. Number two, I have a conscience that's sensitive. And it hasn't been seared and hasn't been hardened and it hasn't become to the place where it's here. But some of those, when you see them crazy people out there, that they're, they're literally protesting so that they have the right to murder another human being to end their life. Man, I, I want to I wanna go to an eagle. I was thinking about this today. You may have probably ought to stop me on this. But I want to I wanna go and get a lift and I want to find where an eagle's nest is. And I want to take a lift and I want to covertly take one of those eagle eggs. And I want to video it. And I want to stay there and I want to hold that video egg in my hand and say, now look, this has not been birthed yet, so I guess it's, it's no problem. And then put the video on YouTube and see what happens. Bald eagle has died. Oh, really? Oh, really? The hypocrisy is unbelievable. How can there be such hypocrisy? An evil conscience. A conscience has been seared with a hot iron, brother. They have so lied to themselves so often that they now believe their own lie. It happens. It can happen. Absolutely has happened, can happen and indeed will happen. Now, how do we overcome that? How do we overcome that whole syndrome? Well, the Bible. This is a conscience resetter. This will reset. You people in computers know about reset. If you own a, if you own, I'm, a, I'm sorry to say this, but if you own a Microsoft, you reset a lot. That solves everything, reset. The reset on, on us is this book right here. You start getting off on something, getting off on what? Well, go back to this book. It'll bring you back to where you ought to be. This is the standard of right and wrong. And this is an absolute standard, right and wrong. The definition of truth is this absolute. It's not culturally influenced. It's not, it's not uh, influenced through time. It's not influenced through color or creed or anything. This is a book given to man by God. And this is to set him straight and to keep him straight in his life. You want to know what's right? You go to the book. You want to know how to behave among other people? You go to the book. You want to know how to raise your children? Don't go to the psychiatrist. Go to the book. Oh, I think spanking children makes them violent. That's a lie from hell. Your children are violent if they never get spanked. Your children are born violent. There's a beast, a raging animal beast within all of us. It's called the flesh. And the Bible says there's not one, not one, not one good thing about the flesh. Not one, not one. You can't come up with one good thing about the flesh. 
Now, that's what the Bible's taught me and helped me correct. So our conscience, Paul sought to have a conscience, going back to our text, void of offense toward God and toward man. That means it is possible. Amen? It's possible. It's possible to live a life where you have a void of all offense toward in any direction. Now, I don't think it's possible to go through life without offending someone. Okay? How many... Now, I'm not going to ask for hands because I don't want you to lie. But every one of you have offended somebody. Every one of you have offended somebody. The question is, what would you do when you did it? What would you do? It's not whether you offended people. It's not whether you hurt people by moving through the crowd, you know, called life. You're going to do that, right? But the question is, how would you handle it? Did, did, you, did you get right with them when you found out about it? Now, some of it you didn't even find out about. They, they hated you from afar. They, they talked bad about you from afar. They don't like you, and you're not responsible for what you don't know. But as soon as you know about it, then now you're responsible to try to get right. Void of offense. I had people um, that have come to my mind, the Holy Spirit brought to my mind, that I, once in a while I sat down in a quiet room with God. A lot of times, in fact, I sat down in a quiet room with God. And I'll say, is there anything between you and me? If there is, let me know right now. Please, please let me know. I want to know. Are you scared to do that? I've had people scared to do that. Oh, preacher. Uh, you know, I burnt my house down on purpose to get the insurance money. You know he's going to bring that to my mind. And we heard that here. Some of you were here when we heard a guy confess to that. And I said, well, you need to call your insurance company up and Confessed you burnt the house down and took the money. He said, I'm best I'm going to go to jail. I said, well, if you go to jail, let's go to jail for God. You got a prison ministry. And he never went to jail. The insurance company said, thank you for calling, but it's past the time, and we're not going to do anything about it. But I'll tell you what it did. It freed his conscience. That thing, didn't, that thing when the devil brings that back up, say, hey, I dealt with that. Man. I got right with that thing, you know. So... We can develop a better conscience than our normal conscience given to us at birth. We literally can, instead of this first part of my sermon was about how the conscience would go south, but now this part of it is how the conscience can be made better, actually can be made like God, to think like God and to judge like God. And that's what being made in the image of Christ is all about, isn't it? Isn't it becoming like Christ? For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of, of God in him. Isn't that what it's all about? 2 Corinthians 5.21. So we expose our consciences to the truth over and over and over again. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we read our Bibles. and We're resetting and resetting and resetting and resetting our conscience. Secondly, not only can we have a, a conscience void of offense, we can have a conscience that's called a good conscience. 1 Timothy 1.5, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and, of unfa- and faith unfeigned. That means a wholesome conscience, taught and nurtured in the truth, advising only good actions and thoughts. Thirdly, the Bible says we can have a pure conscience. 1 Timothy 3.9, holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. Now, I'm, these points are right out of the Bible, okay? I'm not, this is not being made up. This is not being alliterated. This is just books. This is out of the book. We can have a pure conscience. Again, that's untainted. I looked the words up, make sure. Untainted by the world, the flesh, and the devil. Thoroughly purged by the blood. It is a pure conscience. 
Hebrews 9.14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience. We talked about that. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. See, I'm listening. I'm listening. Purge your conscience. Paul speaks to the importance of conscience in uh, 2 Corinthians 4.2 where he says, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I believe one of the qualifications of being a pastor is to be above reproach. That is to honestly commend yourself in the, to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Is there anything that I have done or said or hurt and have not tried to get right on, if so, Speak now or forever hold your peace kind of thing. You know, nobody does that at weddings anymore. I really like that. Does anybody have any reason that this couple should not be wed? You remember that? Does anybody remember that? Speak. Did anybody have that done at their wedding? You're scared. You had that done? I should have been there. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Speak now of every, they don't, they don't, we don't want to do that, preacher, because we got about 10 people that want us to get married. Okay. Commending, our, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That's big. You people in business. Ooh, that's a challenge, isn't it? That's a challenge because I don't care how you sing or dance. Some people ain't going to like you. But you just got to try to make it right as much as possible. I mean, nobody says you're perfect. Nobody expects you to be perfect. But you will, by the grace of God, if somebody's not happy. I like the old money back. The money back. If you don't like it, you can have your money back. At least, maybe you didn't make any money, but you, you, you at least didn't have somebody hated you. Live in such a way that you can expose yourself to the judgment of everyone who knows you. You can say, I've not damaged anyone that I know of. I've not stolen from anyone. I've not cheated anyone. I've not lied to anyone, I've not false witness against anyone that I haven't gotten right on. If I if I if I did, I got right on these things. And uh, I think of Samuel. Take your Bibles. This and we'll close. First Samuel, chapter twelve. That's in the Old Testament. First Samuel chapter twelve, verse three and four. This this has always impacted me. You know, Samuel was considered the greatest priest of the Old Testament. He was considered the greatest priest of the Old Testament, bar none, Samuel. Now, you know how he started, you know. He was in the temple as a young man with Eli, and God called to him, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel just had a, just a genuine, pure conscience that was void of offense. He was transparent, translucent. He wasn't perfect, but if he wasn't, he would want to get right about it as much as possible. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 3 and 4 says, Behold, here, am I, here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Where, where, whose ox have I taken? Or whose ass have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or of whose hand have I received any bribe or blind to blind mine eyes therewith? And I will restore it. See, he, he, never, 
He's not getting up there beating his chest saying, I'm perfect. He said, if you'll say it to me, I'll restore it. I'll make it right, right? And in business, I understand the deals go sour. And sometimes you can't make somebody, doctor, crap, no matter how he practices, he's going to meet some people that don't like him. They just don't like your haircut or don't like the sound of your voice. That's the way it is with, with anybody in business. Sometimes you just can't do whatever they want you to do. You just can't do it right. But you just try to make peace with those folks and go on. And here's what they, were, they responded, children of Israel. They said, thou hast not defrauded us nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught of any man's hand. Boy, this is a way to live, isn't it? I think this is the essence and conclusion of the message tonight is, you want to live like Samuel lived here. This is a way to live, having a conscience that's void of offense in the sight of God and in the sight of man. There is no better way to live. And may I say this, there's no better way to die. I've been on deathbeds. Sometimes people on their deathbeds start saying stuff. They'll start wanting to get clean. They're, they're, they know they're dying. It's soon. And they're compelled. I just watched it. I watched it. They're deeply compelled. If they haven't gotten right as they've gone along, they want to confess the offenses. I've heard... And they can, I'm the only guy there most of the time, so they're confessing it to me. Now, I'm not a priest, and I don't forgive sins, and they know that. But I'm glad they listen to them and pray with them about it. But really, a lot of those things are not reversible at that moment. You can't go back. I mean, they're, they're, they're dying. It's over. It, I mean, when I say dying, dying soon. And they're, they, they, but they're, you can tell the deep, deep regret that they have in their voice. That, they're not, that they didn't take care of these things when they could have. Boy, don't do that. It's not worth it. Get right now. I've had husbands that have stepped out on their wives that have kept it secret. They'll tell me. And they'll say, preacher, I was unfaithful to my wife. Or I've had women say, unfaithful to men. Either direction, don't make any difference. All I tell them is you need to get right with your spouse. Now, the last thing they want me to say is they got to get right with their spouse. But you need to get right with your spouse. You need to go to your spouse. Oh, if I do that, preacher, they'll take the gun out and shoot me, and if they, they'll leave me, and they'll do that. It would better to be alone in the corner of a housetop with a clear conscience. And to be warmed and filled living a lie. Well, I bet I some challenge some people tonight. You got, you got a skeleton in your closet tonight? You know the devil's going to bring that baby out. It's coming out. It's either going to come out a few hours before you die, and you won't be able to do a lousy thing about it, and you'll die with that. Or you can get it out now and get clean. Ooh, you can get clean. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, forgiveth us from how much sin? All of that. But if you don't confess it and forsake it, you don't get clean in the practical side of it. And so 
I just encourage you tonight on this conscience subject. Ooh, this is big. You may not sleep well tonight. You may go home and the Holy Spirit starts rolling you over. We call it surfing the sheets. Yeah, you surfed. That's when you just roll and roll and get up and get back and roll and get up and get back and roll. And what is God doing for you? He's doing you the biggest favor you ever had God do you. He's trying to get you clean. Because being clean, here's the way being clean is. You can barely stay awake in church. Some of you got such a clear conscience that when I start preaching, you're gone. I, I do believe that just must be a clear conscience. They just are so at peace with life and everything and God that they come into his house and they're comfortable and they hear my, the, the sound of my melodic, syncopated voice gone. I mean, some people can sleep with their eyes open. You know they're not home. Oh, you should preach. See what happens. But I'd rather have somebody like that. I've seen some tortured souls. Don't be one. Don't be one. The devil will cause you to do stuff, and then he'll tell you to hide it. Oh, man, that's bad advice. And I don't want to make this longer than I should, but i got to tell you, he's going to try to cause you to do something bad, and then he's going to tell you to hide it. God's going to say, put it out in the open. The Bible says about leadership, they that sin rebuke before all. Why? That others may fear. Yeah. You know, we leaders get double honor, but we also get double, we get double whipped. Because as much is given, much is required. Don't you, don't you let the devil lie to you, deceive you, cause you to harden your conscience about it. Oh, you say, if I harden it enough, it'll go away. The truth is, you can harden it enough where it'll go away temporarily, but when you get ready to die, very likely it's going to come right, going to come full blast back before you see God. Father, help us tonight. Help us save these folks in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Sing. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.